Tonight, the text that we look at is really one word in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We're going to be looking at the word meekness there as an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. In connection with that, we're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11. Matthew 11, Jesus is preaching a sermon. He's preaching concerning the ministry of John the Baptist early on in Matthew 11. And then he addresses, and that's where we pick it up here in verse 20, the rejection of the gospel and why there's a rejection of the gospel that he preaches, but it's especially 28 through 30 that we're going to focus on tonight. But Matthew 11, beginning at verse 20, Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now we turn to Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. I'm going to read those two verses. It's the verses in which we find the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we read there, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. And as I said earlier, we're going to focus just on that one word, meekness. As we look at meekness, there's a couple of things that we should understand about the fruit of the Spirit. The first thing is, is that there is only one fruit of the Spirit. That's evident from the passage. It's in the singular, fruit is. And the one fruit of the Spirit is the first thing listed there. It is love. But that one Fruit of the Spirit, which is love, is so rich 
it's so deep that it cannot be understood or described with simply one word. But there are eight other words that follow that explain what love is. So everything after love in those two verses, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, meekness, temperance, and temperance is self-control, all of those things are an aspect of love. When you're talking about fruit, maybe think of the fruit of the Spirit like an orange. It's sweet, but also there are many different slices that make up this one orange. So also with love, that's a beautiful concept, but there are many different slices or aspects to this concept of love. That, first of all, the second thing to remember is that in looking at the fruit of the Spirit, One of the ways in which we can do that is by examining our own lives according to that fruit. The idea here is that this is what the Holy Spirit works in those who are the people of God. We might ask ourselves then the question as you look at, as you read, as you study the fruit of the Spirit, which one of these is God especially working on in my life Maybe we'd say right now in my life at this time. I've asked that question of people before. And there are varying answers to that. But one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit that is often brought up when I ask that question is meekness. Meekness is a great struggle of the Christian life. It's not only a struggle of the Christian life, but I can inform you that even preaching on meekness is a humbling experience. I don't like preaching on meekness. It's painful to preach on meekness because it exposes my own selfishness and my own pride. I'm proud by nature. I'm not meek by nature. So I don't stand before you tonight as someone who's qualified to preach on meekness because I'm so meek myself. But I need this word just as much as as you need this word. In fact, this is now the third time I'm preaching this sermon. I certainly need this sermon the third time just as much as I needed it the first time. But may this sermon tonight be an encouragement to all of us to grow in meekness. I don't often give quotes in sermons, but here's a quote that I'm going to give, and I'll come back to it later too. This is a quote from a man named John Stott. Maybe you've heard of him. But he said this, our greatest foe is pride, and our greatest ally is humility. Our greatest foe is pride, our greatest ally is humility. So we want to rid ourselves of the enemy pride, and we want to live by this friend, which is humility. With that in mind, we consider tonight love's meekness. Love's meekness. We notice first what it is, secondly, why it's important, and then finally, where it comes from. As we look at meekness tonight, there are two ways to look at meekness, and I'm going to use both of those ways. 
And that's true for any concept we come across in the Bible. First of all, we can look at the definition of it, and secondly, we can look at a description of it. Well, as I said, I want to do both of those things. I want to come to you, first of all, with a definition of meekness, and then a description of meekness. So that's the two parts to the first point of this sermon. So what is meekness? Let's start with the negative. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not one who lacks conviction. Meekness is not being spineless. A meek person is not someone who's simply quiet. A meek person is not simply one who's an introvert. A meek person is not simply one who rolls over and is tolerant of anything and just kind of goes with the flow. In fact, those who are quiet and those who are introverts can struggle with pride in the same way that everybody else does. So that is not meekness. We see and understand that from one of the outstanding examples of meekness in Scripture. Moses. In Numbers 12, verse 3, he is described this way. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Moses wasn't quiet. Moses had a position of authority. He led the people of Israel, and yet in that position of leadership, he was known as one of the meekest men of his time. So meekness is not weakness. Over and over again, I came across this definition of meekness. It's power restrained or power under control of a higher authority. That's part of what meekness is, but it's more than that. So here's the definition of meekness. It's the mindset of Christ, the mindset of Christ, in which the believer uses his position and power under the authority of God for the benefit of others. Let me say it again. It's the mindset of Christ in which the believer uses his or her position of power and authority under the authority of God for the benefit of others. And there with that last part, for the benefit of others, there you see how meekness is connected to love and why it's here is an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. So it's not simply power and authority under the authority of God, but using that for the good of others. But take notice of that fact here, that meekness is first of all living under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. The New Testament word for meekness is used, that same word is used for a wild colt or an untamed horse that is brought under the control of a rider. And so like a horse brought under the control of a rider, so the meek child of God is one who is brought under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that one who is meek is one who lives all of life under the authority of Jesus Christ. The one who is meek is not about 
his own agenda or wanting his own way in this life, but instead, the one who is meek is constantly submitting to the will of God for his or her life. We see here that meekness is a bit distinct from humility. I used to think, well, humility and meekness were the exact same thing. They're not the exact same thing. When we talk about humility, that that speaks of the heart. And in the heart, there's this understanding that I'm under God and I'm here to please and honor God in all of life. Humility is the heart aspect and meekness is the living out of what is found in our hearts when we have humility in our hearts. Humility has to do with worshiping God and meekness has to do with the way we live that out in our lives. Now just to further understand what this meekness is, we have to look at the opposite. The opposite of meekness is two things, selfishness and pride that always go hand in hand. The opposite of meekness, first of all, is selfishness. Selfishness is the idolatry of self. It's a sinful focus on self in which I pursue self-recognition and self-exaltation instead of living for the glory of God. And that selfishness is connected with pride. Pride. Pride in the end is this, it's battling with God for supremacy over my life. Pride is contending with God for supremacy. The idea is, I want the status of God, I I want the glory of God, I want what God has. That's what Eve wanted in the very beginning when she sinned. And Satan came to her and tempted her and she ate of that forbidden fruit. Why did she eat? Well, because Satan told her the lie. You eat that fruit, you'll be like God. And that's exactly what Eve wanted. And that desire of Eve continues in us, in our pride. We want to be God. That's the awfulness of pride. And that's the exact opposite then of meekness and humility that goes along with meekness. So again, I said I'm going to look at meekness from two perspectives. The first is from the definition perspective. It's the mindset of Christ in which we use our power and position under the authority of God for the benefit of others. Now, I'd like to describe this meekness to you. This having the mind of Christ and how this meekness works out in our lives. The ultimate example of meekness is our Lord Jesus Christ. You want a description of meekness? Study his life. Study his ministry. He was meek. And he was meek perfectly. You see that meekness in in different ways, but first of all, in Philippians chapter 2, We read of our Lord Jesus Christ under the authority of God his Father, doing his will. 
in verse 6 and following, who, that's Christ Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It's saying there, he is God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And the reason he became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, was because that was the will of God for his life. And he perfectly submitted to that will of God. He used his power and authority under God to accomplish God's good for the salvation of his people. So it's not just you see him living under the authority of God, but he was doing this in love. He did this for the benefit of his church and his people. The other way in which we see meekness lived in the life of our Savior is in the passage that we read tonight, Matthew 11. In verse 29, we read there, Jesus himself saying, For I am meek and lowly in heart. This is one of the few passages in the New Testament where our Lord Jesus Christ gives us an open door into his heart. What was in his heart during his life and his ministry? Well, it's this. I am meek and lowly in heart. The word meekness, as we said, is power under authority, but it includes this. Gentleness. Gentleness. Think of the gentleness of our Savior during his life and his ministry. You and I can't understand how difficult it must have been for the perfect Son of God to live here on this earth among sinful people in a sinful world. Some of us are perfectionists. We have our understanding of how we want things to go. We want to keep our things all nice, and maybe we're very orderly in what we do. And when things don't go the way that we want them to go or we expect them to go, we get extremely frustrated and maybe angry, and we lash out. I, in some things in my life, can be that way. But think of Jesus Christ perfect son of God. And and he's dwelling among people who even know him, but they don't trust in him like they should. They're living in fear. They're disobeying the word of God. They're walking contrary to God's word and his will. Think of how frustrating that was. And what does Jesus say? I am meek. I'm, I'm gentle. He's not harsh. He's not reactionary. He's not easily exasperated at our sin. And that he's lowly means that he's accessible. This is the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who are sinners. Think of that. He doesn't pull up his noses at us. He's not put off by us. He doesn't cringe at us like we would cringe at things that smell. When I wrote this sermon... I had just come back from the Young People's Convention chaperoning. And I was in a group, or I was in a room 
with nine other guys. And it was hot and it was humid that week and these guys were gym rats. And so you can imagine what that room smelled like after a couple of days with their shoes and their socks and their sweaty shirts and all the rest. And in fact, one night, I, I was sleeping on my side facing the wall and I turned over in my bunk and the smell hit me. It woke me up that night. It was awful. But you know that smell and our sin before the Lord Jesus Christ is worse than that smell. And he doesn't pull up his noses at us. He doesn't cringe at us. He's gentle, and he's meek, and he's lowly. That is a beautiful description of meekness. How easily don't we cringe? How easily don't we pull up our noses at the sins of others and the things that people do against us and the things that are going on in this world as well? But our Savior was meek and he was lonely or lowly. Meekness then is lived out by serving others for God's glory. That's part of it as well, serving others for God's glory. This meekness is to be lived out in our lives. It's to be lived out in our homes. It's to be lived out here in the church. It's to be lived out in the world as well, where we are in the workplace or when we're in the store and when we're in traffic and wherever we go. Again, remember we're describing this meekness. Meekness is a young person honoring his or her parents. Meekness is an older brother, an older sister caring for a younger brother or a younger sister and not being annoyed by him or her. Meekness is a wife who's gentle and kind to her husband and a husband who's gentle and kind to his wife even when the other has done something against them and they're hurt by that. It doesn't mean allowing sin to go and everything else to go, but it means addressing it and dealing with it in this way that is meekness. It's doing that in the church with one another. There are different ideas and different opinions about things, and that has risen to the surface in the church world today and in our churches as well, and we have a hard time working through these things, but as we do so, we don't ignore them, we work through them, well, we do so with meekness and gentleness and desiring what is best for our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. Meekness is an aspect of love. This is what meekness is. Now we also look tonight at why it is important to have this meekness. Three things that we want to look at here when it comes to the importance of meekness. First of all this, Jesus Christ himself calls us to this meekness in our relationships. He calls us to this meekness in our relationships. What is the tendency in our relationships, especially when we feel hurt or when things are difficult? Well, our tendency is to use anger and speech to get a desired outcome. So that may be somewhat abstract. Just think of how that goes for us as parents. 
when our children disobey, not just once, but the 10th time or the 20th time. Moms, just think about how it went towards the end of the summer. Talk to your kids about certain things, about getting along. And then here it is, you just have this talk with them and they're back fighting again. And we lose it. We want to use our authority to get our way. And so maybe we say something like this. Listen to me because I'm your father. Listen to me because I'm your mother. Listen to me because I'm a pastor. Listen to me because I'm an elder. Listen to me because of my position. And then in our day, it's this. Well, listen to me because I'm an expert on this. I've read about this. I know about these things. You're to listen to me because of what I know. And if we don't get our way, then often what happens in our day is you have to say it louder and you have to say it stronger. You have to say it more forcefully. You have to say it repeatedly. And then maybe even a bit radically to get your point across. We want to throw our weight around. We want to use our force to get our own way in our homes or in the church or even in the workplace. But that's not meekness. That's not meekness. Our Lord Jesus Christ calls us in our lives, whether an authority or under authority, to be meek and gentle in our speech and our dealings with one another. Hear the word of God. Galatians 6 verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such in one. And then it doesn't go on and say, with force, with harsh words, no, in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Then Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, the first three verses. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Our Lord Jesus Christ calls us to a better way in our homes and in the church and in the world. It is the way of meekness. And that means, following what Proverbs says, a soft answer turns away wrath. This is what we need in our homes and in the church as well. But one thing to consider as we look at this, that Jesus calls us to meekness in our relationships, is that this meekness will be found in our relationships when we understand our own weakness. Weakness leads to meekness. We have weakness in ourselves. That's part of what Paul was saying there in Galatians 6, verse 1. Look at yourself. Understand your own weakness. So often we like to see the weaknesses in others. We see those weaknesses. We can point out those weaknesses while at the same time we're blind to our own weaknesses. It may be that when we're discussing something, I may be wrong. Do we ever think about that? I may be wrong. I need to hear from someone else if I am 
wrong. We don't always act rightly. We're very sinful and we struggle with sin in everything that we do. Jesus himself reminds us of that in that passage that we looked at in Matthew 11 as well. He says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Why do we need rest? Why do we need to come to Jesus Christ? Because we are those who are labor and are heavy laden. The idea of labor and heavy laden is is the bondage of our own sin and the weight of our own sin. We need to understand our own weakness. We're under God, and not only are we under God, but we're struggling with sin ourselves in our lives. So to walk in this meekness in our relationships, we need to understand our own weakness. So that's the first reason that it's important to understand this meekness. Jesus calls us to it in our relationships. Secondly, meekness is vital for proper leadership and to be under leadership and authority in our lives. Meekness is part of leadership in the church and in the home and also in the workplace. Meekness is vital for our lives there. Consider what Jesus says in Mark chapter 10. Mark 10. It's a a powerful passage. In Mark 10, we have Jesus' disciples, uh, James and John, coming to him, wanting the powerful positions at his right hand and on his left. We read that in verses 35 and following in Mark chapter 10. But notice what Jesus says toward the end of that dialogue with them. After the disciples hear about the two disciples looking for these positions, the rest of the disciples are ticked off at James and John. And this begins a fight among them because they all want these positions of power. And Jesus corrects them. Verse 42. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The word minister there is, it's the Greek word for deacon, diakonos. It means to be a servant. And so Jesus is saying in the world, they want authority, they want dominion, they want people under them. But he says in the kingdom, it's very different. It's very different. We're servants. And Jesus himself says, I came to be a servant. I came not to be served by others, but to serve my people by suffering and dying for them. And now he's saying to us and to all of his disciples who follow him, that's what we are to be as well. And he says that to those who have positions of leadership. This is a word for us as husbands and fathers. This is a word for pastors and elders and deacons in the church. It's a word for mothers in their position of authority. It's a word for those of us who have positions of authority in the workplace 
as well. Live under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and serve others where God has placed you. Not only is that true for those in positions of authority, but this is also true for those under authority. That's a word needed in our day as well, isn't it? Because those under authority in our day, in the world, are not displaying and showing meekness. When the leaders of our land do something they don't like, what do they do? They protest. They get up all upset. They post things on social media. They, they start yelling and shouting at leaders that are around them in society. And this comes into the church as well. It filters down. So when leaders do things when we don't like, we're upset about, then we let them know it. We give them, some people do, a piece of their mind that's not meekness, but pride and selfishness. In our day, there's contempt for leadership, and it's spreading like wildfire. And Jesus himself comes to us and says, no, whether you're in authority or under authority, the way that we deal with one another is in the spirit of meekness. So meekness is important for authority and those under authority. Then finally, this meekness is important because it knits families together. You find in your homes, maybe in your marriages as well, that there's some conflict. That at times, things are like this. You find that with your kids. You find that with you and your kids. Do you find that sometimes with your wife or sometimes with your husband? Why is that? We'll go to the opposite of meekness. It's not meekness that produces that. It's pride and it's selfishness. And where there's pride and selfishness, things in our marriages and things in our homes, and then more broadly, things in the church will simply be intolerable. There will be all kinds of fighting because this is the source of fighting among children, uh, among children and their parents and marriages and all the rest. And we know how that often begins. It often begins in our homes with those who are at the top, with us as parents. Maybe we're ignoring our children, maybe we're annoyed by our children, and we let them have it, and they learn from us. And we forget as parents, and we forget as children too, that we are sinners. Who doesn't want a home where there's peace? Who doesn't want a home where there's love? Who doesn't want a home where everybody gets along? Of course, we're not always going to get along all of the time. There's going to be conflict because we are sinners. But this is what knits families together. It's a spirit of meekness. And it begins with us as men. It begins with us as husbands and fathers in our homes being meek and following the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Men, are you meek in the authority that God has given to you so that you're submitting to the calling that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to you to be a servant in your home for the good of your family? Doing the small things for the good of your wife 
and your children. But this is also an important word for a wife and a mother as well, submitting to the calling that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to her as well. And Scripture points that out specifically in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Here, Peter is addressing wives in relationship to their husbands, and here he's even addressing wives in relationship to unbelieving husbands. But what he says is true for all wives. But he says, this is what is beautiful among wives. Verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. He says, let their adorning not be the outward, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Now again, meek and quiet spirit doesn't mean being a doormat. It doesn't mean never saying anything to your husband or never addressing a sin that might be found in his life. No, you may and you should in your love for him. But doing that in a spirit of meekness, understanding his authority, understanding the authority of Jesus Christ and seeking the good of your husband. That's a woman who is meek. Children, you are meek when you obey your mom and dad, when you respect them and you honor them. Children, you are meek when you love your siblings in the home And you love your classmates at school as well. Fighting comes from a lack of meekness, from selfishness and pride. Let me encourage you as parents especially to talk about these things in your homes, but also to talk about this in our marriages. If we're brave, and especially men, if we're brave, we're going to go home and ask our wives and tell them we want an honest answer, an open answer. Am I a meek servant like I should be? And where haven't I been? And we're going to talk to our children about this, not just the behavior, but we want to address their hearts and talk about having this meekness in the heart and humility that honors God because of how important that is in our homes and in our marriages. So meekness knits families together. But now as we look at all of this, what becomes clear is that we're all struggling together with meekness. And so the question is, where does this meekness come from? How can I grow in this meekness And the answer is, remember that as we look at meekness tonight, this meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. This meekness does not come from you. It doesn't come from someone else here. This meekness comes from God Himself, from His Son Jesus Christ, by the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And so we need the Holy Spirit to work this meekness in us. Us. Just to follow up on what we heard and what we sang out of Psalm 18, thy gentleness, God's gentleness, his meekness, revealed in his son Jesus Christ, has made us great. 
We need that meekness, and when that meekness is worked in us, this is great, this is wonderful, this is valuable. So this must be for us a matter of prayer. Work, O God, this meekness in us by the Spirit. And I've done this when I've preached it two other times, and I'll say it here too. Make this a matter of prayer every day this week. Make us meek. Make me meek. Work this in me. And pray that God would work this in not only your homes, but then in the church as well, so that together we would have this meekness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we don't simply end there and say, well, the Spirit needs to work it in us, and we pray. Well, we need the Holy Spirit to work, and certainly we ought to pray for meekness. But there's something else to take note of. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 5, remember what Jesus says there. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. uh, Jesus himself says that there is a happiness and a joy and a blessing for those who are meek. Now, very simply, understand, Jesus is not saying, well, if you're meek, then he will bless. He's not making it conditional. No, it's a statement of fact. It's a true statement that he gives there. Those who are meek shall inherit the earth. And the idea of inheriting the earth is enjoying friendship and fellowship with God. It's dwelling in the presence of God forever. And that is ours in this life and in the life to come. And so Jesus there is encouraging us by those very words to pursue meekness in our lives. Now keep in mind the quote that I set before you earlier. Our greatest foe is pride. Our greatest ally is humility. So that means for us, we want to be thinking daily on this. How can I weaken that enemy? And how can I strengthen that friend? And so the Holy Spirit works through means. And the Holy Spirit works especially through the means of his word. And through the word, we're reminded of certain things that humble us and work meekness in us. And here's a couple of things for us to think on so that we grow in meekness under the blessing of the Holy Spirit. First of all, let us daily think on the greatness of our God. Let us think on the greatness of our God. The greatness of him as the creator, the greatness of him as the sovereign God who rules over all things. Every morning, let us get up thinking about the greatness of God and not what I have to do. And secondly, along with that, may we be thinking not only about God's greatness, but our own weakness, our own sin. I'm nothing of myself. Anything I am is because I'm united to the Lord Jesus Christ. So understand your own weakness. And then thirdly, think every day on the wonder of the cross and the saving work of Jesus Christ. That humbles us. That works meekness in us. 
We think of the meekness of our Savior, his gentleness with us, and his saving work that he has done for lowly sinners such as we are. And just think about that. If we begin our day thinking about that, we end our day thinking about that, we're going to be thinking more about that as we live our lives every day. When we're parenting our children, when there's a conflict in our marriages, or there's a conflict here within the church, we're going to think on Christ and God's greatness and our own weakness. And may the Holy Spirit use that then to strengthen us in this meekness as we live our lives. So we pray and we meditate on who God is and the great things he has done. And may the Spirit give us growth in this meekness. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we struggle with so much pride and so much selfishness. Forgive that within us. And we ask, take it away. It's the great enemy. Instead, Father, give to us humility and meekness. Work this in our hearts and work this out in our lives as we think on Thee and Thy greatness in this new week. We pray all this in dependence upon the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.